powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Game Over Ottawa. Uh, Mod here, back once again. Unfortunately, pretty depressed tonight after uh, a rough game for the Sens, but I'm happy to have two guests joining me today. Uh, we've got Phil Sens and Brandon from Sens Talk. How are you guys doing tonight? How are you doing? Thanks for having us on. Yes, yes, doing great. I'm sure doing great other than what we just watched, eh? I mean, look, when in the first 25 minutes of play, you give up four goals, especially when you're out shooting the opponent, it's not going to be the greatest game. And that's what we got again today. And, you know, we'll talk about it a lot, I'm sure, today. But the fact that multiple times this game, we saw the repeated defensive lapses we've seen throughout the last few years, net front coverage being blown, uh, bad starts, goals in the last minute. I mean, it's, it's the Senator, uh, the classic Senator game today is what we saw, unfortunately. Yep, exactly. Going down 3-1 in the first isn't isn't the way to go. I think we've had some bad lucks, but still, like you said, it's defensive coverage. You, you can't just blame the goalie. It, it, I know we have injuries, but but defensive coverage ha- just hasn't been good. It has to get better. Yeah, for Great. sure. We'll we'll get into all that and more. Uh, I just also got to point out that unfortunately we don't have a game over Winnipeg stream tonight. So if there are any Winnipeg fans joining us in the chat, uh, be sure to let us know what you thought of tonight's game. Maybe a bit from a Jets perspective too, because uh, it's mostly sense centric here uh, from the three of us. But we'd love to hear what you guys think as well, and of course any sense fans in the chat too. Uh, now, before we really get into the game, I'd just like to thank our sponsor, Sports Interaction. Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Now, I have to say, the way that the Jets season has gone has me a little bit jealous because I feel like if you looked at the Sens and Jets rosters at the start of the season and compared to the two, honestly, we might be biased, but do you, would either of you say that you would have thought that the Jets would be this much better than the Sens? I think goaltending is key. I, be- I bet on a bounce back season from Connor Hellebuck, and that's what we're seeing. Obviously, we didn't see him tonight. He's dealing with a flu or something. But yeah, I'm not shocked because goaltending wins you games. That's why I was fired up to have Forsberg and Talbot, you know, br- brought into the fold, right? That's huge. A team with good goaltending, more often than not, is going to win games. Now, unfortunately for Ottawa, we've been having good goaltending. Top 10, they're not winning games. Win a Pig, on the other hand, Riddick played well tonight, but Hellebuck's had a hell of a season. And their offense, I mean, Kyle Connor's a guy that can really put the puck in the back of the net. And they're doing this without a guy like Nick uh, Ehlers, for example, right? That's a great talent there. So, um, obviously, we're biased. I think Ottawa, at the beginning of the year, in my opinion, had one of the best top sixes in the league. Um, and that definitely could still be the case when Stutzla and Norris return. Um, but I'm not really shocked. Once again, goaltending, especially when you have one of the best goalies in the league, you always have a shot. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I, I mean, our goaltending, I was really excited having having that tandem of Forsberg and Talbot. Forsberg just had an incredible season, just didn't have the team in front of him. Now you get, you, you bring in an all-star goalie, you bring in more players to actually improve the team in front, and it, it doesn't seem to work out that well. Um, they've been very inconsistent. Sometimes it's from game to game, even sometimes it's like during a game. I remember Forsberg against Dallas, I think, had a couple weak goals, but overall had a good game. But, it, you know, you still lose the game. So goaltending definitely is the key. 
but also tonight the the I, when i was looking at like at the lineup i i was more focused on the three centers you know you have Shifley, dubois and larry against brassard castellic and pinto like like that's tough you're yeah. not going to win many games in that matchup that's a great point a great because point. Yeah. both teams are suffering injuries right now but our injuries are a lot tougher, I would say, with the the top two centers. I would like, uh, obviously, Hellebuck's sick, and Ehlers has been out for a while, and I think Wheeler just got injured Wheeler, too. So yeah. th- those are big losses, but losing wingers is easier to deal with than losing centers for sure. And I think that was a big problem for the Sens. You know, actually, through the last few games now, just in terms of their five-on-five play, because the power play has been able to carry us for a while, but uh, the this center lineup is is just really struggling, and I'm hoping to see uh, Timmy back in the next game. You know, I'll say this. Uh, shout out to Primetime Sense for putting that stat out or that graphic up, but we saw Claude Giroux in, in this order. Drew, Catholic, and Pinto, top 20, all three of them, top 20 in the, in the NHL for faceoff percentage. Mm-hmm. So it is surprising to me that we are still struggling. Pinto and that second line, you know, they're the only ones that got on the board today. Uh, but that second line has been great. Uh, Catholic, other than winning faceoffs, pretty invisible on the ice, which is surprising because I was a big fan of Catholic and Kelly going into the season. Uh, I thought they were going to be the next great fourth line guys for Ottawa. And they very well still can be. Parker Kelly had a great game today, three shots on net. But, you know, my issue with it, my issue really is the bottom six as a whole, you can look at the centers, but the bottom six, they can't keep up. That's just the the reality. Rourke Chardier, the fourth line center, he looked good. Uh, so the centers, in my opinion, are playing fine. The wingers, they're getting boxed out. They're not keeping up with the play. And most importantly, they're losing their man, whether it's Broussard the other day. And that's obviously a bad example because he's a center. But Broussard the other day, losing his man out front, where you have, of course, Watson just losing his zone on, I think, that fourth or fifth goal. And then you have Batherson on the second or third. He, for whatever reason, you have Morrissey right here. You have all this open ice, and he's along the boards, just allowing him to get right there. I don't understand what he's doing there. So uh, defensively, of course, we could talk about all the structure errors there. But our forwards, our wingers, you got to play your position better defensively because they're letting a lot of uh, offensive chances for the other team. Yep, exactly. And I feel like like they're actually playing playing their fourth-line role, but on the third line, which, I mean, it does make it harder. and. You need a solid third line to be a successful NHL team. We don't have that right now. A guy like Derek Brassard was supposed to be like like him and Gambrell switching from games to games on the fourth line. Now he's your first line center. It, I mean, it hurts. It really hurts our, our depth. At least we've seen guys like Debrincat and Batherson step up with all those big injuries. So that's good. That, 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 that's a good thing to see. But we need those guys back desperately. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with all of that. And, Brandon, you mentioned Josh Morrissey. I I do have to shout him out for how much he absolutely destroyed the Sens tonight on on a couple <laughs> of those goals. That slap pass was absolutely ridiculous. That looked like some yeah. vintage Eric Carlson stuff right there. And uh, definitely want to give big credit to Josh Morrissey for any Winnipeg fans that are, are watching us tonight because he has somehow passed his career high in points in only 32 games. He's got 38 points. And that's already over his entire career high. Like... I, I have to say that I don't think Jets fans even saw that coming. So that really amazing season happened from him. Like other than Hellebuck, he, that he's got to be their MVP right there, I think. Yep. I got to keep track with NHL much more. I did not know Morrissey was going off like that. Yeah, Holy cow. Absolutely. He's actually 38 sec- points. Second in, defen- Morrissey, in, wow. in defenseman points, I think. Yeah, second, probably yeah. probably right behind Carlson. Eh? That's, that's Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. 
They yeah. call him Josh Norrissey. Oh my god! Yeah. I was seeing that. I thought it was a little cringe, but now I understand why they were saying. <laughs> yeah. that. Now it now makes sense. Yeah, for now sure. Makes, yeah, yeah. Now it makes sense. That's that's crazy. Thirty-eight points. Yeah, just wow. amazing yeah. stuff from him. And the Sens couldn't contain him tonight. Just he was he was bringing the offense from the blue line. No, absolutely. And that goes back to my argument about the wingers along the boards, especially in their defensive zone. Uh, you know, the centers, they're blocking through the middle, right? The wingers have to clog the, the lane for the defenseman, get your stick in the way. Batherson, of course, is a bad example. He got walked. But just in general, they're not blocking the shots really out front there, unless you're looking more at the hash mark zone where a Watson or whatever is getting down the block it. They're letting these players, these defensemen, really walk in too much. Uh, you saw it on that first one, I think, the uh I think it was the first one, um, bar in past Talbot left side. But the point is this, the players on the opposing team continually walk in on the Ottawa Senators, whether that's going out front of the net where the Ottawa Senators break down, allow a pass from behind the net or from the side of the net right through the middle to the guy in front of the net, or it's a guy from the blue line coming in. Either way, us in the defensive zone, <laughs> it's a circus out there. It's embarrassing. It is. It, 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 they make it look so easy for their opponent. Like they're just walking through the offensive zone and they're pretty much doing whatever they want. And if it's not the defensemen making the mistakes, it's going to be, like you said, the forwards, the wingers, not covering their men uh, properly and just not being in the right position, just looking around, looking at the passes and then boom, it's in your, it's in your net. It's, it's defensive coverage. It's, it's, it's the issue. I remember there was one, one play that uh, didn't result in a goal that was particularly shocking to me where all of the Jets forwards, like they had already had the puck in the zone. All the Jets forwards went off for a change at the same time. And whoever the Jets right defenseman was, I, I can't even remember who it was. It's like just some random guy, not even one of their top players. He got the puck like at his position at the blue line on the right-hand side, got it from his defense partner. And like I said, every Jets forward was leaving the ice to change. And we had all five of our guys back in the zone. And this guy literally was able to just skate in from the right point and get all the way in on goal on, on Talbot and get a chance. Like that, that stuff just can't happen. Like absolutely ridiculous with the defensive zone tonight. I'll be honest with you. It's really odd because obviously Ottawa has had a, a long history of defensive error in their own zone, right? But in terms of board battles and, you know, blocking the lanes along the boards. I give credit to DJ Smith and his system for this. More often than not, they do a very good job at locking down the boards and blocking any passes around the boards. So I don't really know what happened tonight, especially off two days of rest. I don't get it. I don't know why they were so flat. Um, it doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, and, you know, I, my only, I think my only excuse for the team for being so flat in the second half of the game is the fact they were down by four or three, I guess, if you include the Batherson one, uh, four down four, one 25 minutes into the game. I mean, it's very unlikely, especially after Minnesota on Sunday, where they tried that comeback. It's very unlikely you're going to come back. So, um, once again, and, and I tweeted this out. I want to point, point this out here, Ottawa. This was one of their game in hands. You know, this is one of the games that Ottawa actually had to win. You know, we say we have to win this game, we have to win this game, blah, 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 blah. But this was actually one of those games we had to take advantage of because this was the game in hand we had on the Islanders and Washington and the Rangers. Those teams were chasing. Squandered opportunity. Didn't even get a point. So Ottawa not only now has to get two wins in a row to get back to 500, but they have to get yep. two, three plus more wins just to get back in that conversation because of that, you know, uh, game in hand loss that they got today so that's definitely something i haven't seen a lot of conversation about but i think that's the biggest takeaway in my opinion is a squandered opportunity when you had the game in hand yep in the position we are right now we just cannot afford to 
come out flat like this with with zero energy and especially lose the game. I mean, we get a four a four game win streak. We're kind of back into it. Then you lose two, and it's two. I mean, it's bad games. Minnesota and and, and this game were I think five two and five one. The four two and five one. Just, yeah, just four two five n- one. Really, no, not really any any energy and pushback from the boys and. We're back at being last in the Atlantic. It's 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 still a close race, but we we can't be a, such a streaky team and and win four and and then lose a bunch. We have to stop being streaky and actually win a bunch of games in in a row. Yeah, it, it's wild after how such a a good month of December overall so far. Like they they showed during the game we're still eighth in the Atlantic. Like it's just it's just ridiculous. All of that and we barely made up any ground. And uh like you guys were saying, those games in hand are super important too, especially because we're chasing teams like Washington. They've just kept winning and then we're playing them next. So that's gonna be even bigger of a game than these last two. Yeah. But you know, like after a lot of wins in a row like I can excuse a couple losses, but it's just the way that we lost these two games. Like I kind of, I fully expected a loss against Minnesota, you know, on the back to back, Mm -hmm. but just the fact that now after two straight games where we've gone down by three goals, like relatively early in the game, it was three, nothing halfway through the game against Minnesota. And then four, one, like a minute into the second period in this game, it's just, it's just rough. And it's like, you, you you can expect some losses after a lot of wins, but but you need to we need to be seeing more than that for the team to give us any hope here. Yeah, I think the problem is we're getting complacent with mediocrity. I think I've been talking about this in my videos the last couple of years, but the biggest concern you can have as a franchise is not the fact that you're going to lose games. That's going to happen, like you just said. It's about accepting those losses and not getting upset about those losses. The apathy, the acceptance of mediocrity, and we've already seen that throughout the fan base, uh, let alone the the locker room. I mean, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not a player in that locker room. I'm, not, I'm certainly not a coach in that locker room, so I don't want to act like I know what's happening there. But it's kind of hard to not read between the lines here where it's been the same story defensively for the last four or five years, and the results have not changed, even with a vastly better lineup. And once again, Norris and Susel are out, but you still got to break out there. I mean, there's still pieces here that you should be producing. So, um yeah, look, Ottawa, it's it's a it's an interesting uh, conundrum that they're in because once again, they had they put these expectations on themselves. They're the ones that said to the fan base, "We're out of the play, you know, we're out of the rebuild. We're going to the playoff phase of this quote unquote rebuild." That was last year before last season. We're now two years or a year and a half past that, and we're still talking. How do we get out of the basement? So um, once again, I love DJ Smith. Uh, I think he's a really cool guy, but. Is he the right coach for this team? And that's kind of where I'm steering this conversation. I'm sorry, uh, because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when you see games like this, where there's literally no excuse to lose in the fashion they did, it makes you really question it, right? That's actually where yep. I was going to go next. What do you think about that, Phil, about DJ Smith? <laughs> yeah, what's that? Um, I, I, I feel like it's it's kind of been long enough. I mean, he's he's been there for a while, like a long time. A lot of top NHL coaches don't last that long, and... I can understand like he's good with the kids. He's good with the young players. So through a rebuild, that's actually a good coach to have. But now now that we're actually trying to step out of this rebuild and trying to be a competitive team every single year and trying to have success, you need maybe a coach that has a bit more experience. And just I feel like having uh, a new face, a new leader, a new a new game plan can can do a lot for a team. We're seeing we're seeing, um, I, I think, uh, bonus right now with the Jets. I think he's he just came yep. in. 
And that's been working very well so far. Um, even Mar Marty St. Louis last year with the Habs, it can it can really Im impact a team. And I feel like it's time to make a change, but I doubt it'll happen before new ownership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, at this point, if they haven't fired DJ Smith by now, <laughs> he's not getting fired. I mean, that doesn't exactly. make much sense yep. at this point, right? Yep. So I have to agree with Philip there. I mean, he's not going to get fired this season. Uh, and it's definitely because of ownership, which I guess does make sense. Uh, you don't want to put a guy in a bad spot as an interim guy with a new ownership group coming in. That's just terrible to put somebody in that position. So I, I do understand keeping DJ Smith for that reason. But, you know, once again, at the same time, I mean, if you're a new owner coming in, you see this guy. Yeah, he is one of the better coaches in our history if you look at wins and the, the record and stuff like that. But, you know, that doesn't really matter. Those are moral victories. If you look at the actual results, I mean, we're bottom five, bottom 10 consistently in the league. And with a team with guys like DeBrincat and, you know, Kachuk having a career year up there with some of the best talent in the National Hockey League, Claude Giroux performing better than he has in years, point-per-game player at 34. I mean, there's really no excuse to be where we are uh, right now. And most importantly, as you both have mentioned already in this stream, Ottawa is not only at the bottom of the Atlantic, but they earned being at the bottom of the Atlantic because Buffalo went through a rough stretch as well recently. They've now won six out of their last eight games, and now they're ahead of us by a few points. That's how fast it takes to get to the bottom of the Atlantic. So um, they've done this to themselves, uh, as usual. And, you know, I can hope that Stutzla and Norris coming back can really change things. And I think we're still, we, st we still, of course, have a shot here. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, it is absolutely concerning to me, once again, on a, a game where we were playing the backup goaltender after a couple of days of rest they still come out and lose by four goals. It's just, I don't know what to say. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I got a shout-out uh, list in the chat, our Game Over Winnipeg host. Uh, she said that, referring to DJ Smith, she said it's giving Paul Maurice. Uh, <laughs> definitely agree with that, and how uh, seeing how the Jets brought in bonus and it's turned around so quickly for them, it definitely, uh, definitely makes me jealous. And, you know, just... Just what do you think about Troy Mann potentially coming? Hmm. I was just about to. Ask. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, <laughs> curious. I, I on me personally, I'm worried about having another rookie head coach. I feel like this hmm. team really needs an experienced guy. But uh, I like I'd be willing to give him a shot. You know, especially if it was in kind of like a mid season interim basis and see how he does. But if it was like a change in the off season and he's their guy, I think I would be a little bit skeptical just because I think we need a veteran guy in there. Well, that's yeah, actually that's pretty agree. fair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh just that that Paul Maurice comparison too, like I feel like I feel like the Jets and the Sens are kind of similar on paper in that you have a stacked top six on both teams, and then the bottom six is other than like uh I almost said Kyle Lowry, other than Adam Lowry, uh <laughs> their bottom six is like just a bunch of guys. Like I don't even know half of them really. Like I, I barely recognize half of their bottom <clears throat> six players. And then there I will say their defense is definitely better on paper. Uh, although, uh, if it wasn't for the the uh, amazing season from Morrissey, uh, you could, you, you most people would say before the season that Shabbat is obviously like the best guy out of both defense groups, and then obviously they win the goaltending battle. But it's just when you see what Bonus has been able to do with this Jets team, it yeah, I I can't help but just think that a shakeup is really needed in Ottawa at some point. I was really on the fire DJ Smith train, you know, uh, with that seven game losing streak. And, uh, and a little bit after that too, like especially halfway through that California road trip, uh, the first two games of that were just completely brutal. And then I, I was really positive on 
uh, the last show that I did after the, that win against Detroit, because they did manage to kind of turn it around for a bit, but these last two games are just really disheartening, I think. And I, I know, like you guys are saying, maybe we won't see a coaching change until after uh, the ownership change. Uh, I, I just kind of wish we could see a bit of a shakeup regardless, but it, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. No, go ahead, Philip. I just wanted to say, like, at the start of the season, we said we'll we'll give DJ Bob a, a twenty game sample size. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think the season would be that lost in November. So, and even then, they didn't make a move, and Pierre was just kept defending DJ Smith. And now we're like thirty three games. It's it's not. I I don't think at that point that nothing's gonna happen. I I wish it would. Like you said, I I think a shakeup is is totally needed. But if it fits this offseason, because at this point, if we get a new coach, we would need a pretty big run to actually make the playoffs. So at this point, I think you could wait um, for this summer and try to find someone with experience and that knows how to win. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. A shakeup is obviously in order. I mean, when you have a team, once again, with all the injuries, whether or not they're injured or not, with a team this talented, uh, with the amount of talent they have, especially in the top six, that power play is is proof in the pudding that this team is offensively gifted. When you have all these positive factors going your way and you're still finding ways to lose, of course you need a shakeup in the room. The issue is, as usual with this team, there's so much happening off the ice that it just makes it obvious there's more to the story than just what's happening on the ice. And that's clearly what's happening here, as you guys have both echoed. So, I mean, Gary Ock today during the game mentioned that February or March, we might get some news on the potential ownership. So, you know, we'll see. That's near the end of the season anyways. So, um, you know, it just sucks. Once again, I'm going to cut away from the coaching conversation because, look, we've been sold like magic beans for two straight years here. It's ridiculous. This is the second year now where where we've been told we're going to be a playoff contender. This is the year we're going to break out. You know, the rebuild is over. We're ready to go. And then it's the same damn story, game after game after game, same season, season after season after season. And eventually fans are going to get tired of it. So unless DJ Smith goes on a crazy run and makes the playoffs and does some Hamburglar type stuff, I don't know how he sticks around long term. And once again, that hurts because I do like the guy. He clearly is a fun character, but he's not getting results. And this is a business. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lush Dog in the chat says, why not give the new coach half a year to get used to the team. I kind of like that approach, but yeah, mm-hmm. again, just with the whole ownership thing, it's it's going to be tough uh, for that to maybe come to fruition. Uh, although, since we have all kind of been saying we'd like a veteran coach, is there any names that you guys have in mind? Because I've heard the, the name of Claude Julien thrown around, but other than him, like, I'm not really sure who's out there. That's actually a very, I mean, Barry Trotz, obviously, right? Right. I mean, obviously. Everyone wants mm-hmm. Trotz. Obviously. But if we're actually, that's a great question. But that, like, if if we're talking about Barry Trotz, he likes to play a very defensive system. Mm-hmm. Would that work with the Sens defense? I guess it's also with the forwards. I don't know how. I guess he would have to kind of adjust. Of course, he would because it's it's a completely different lineup. It would definitely be interesting. But he's a guy with a lot of experience. Obviously, he. I mean, he won in his career. He he knows how to win and how to be successful. So. I, th- I think it would be good for the sense culture. But I think if you're, if you're looking for a coach mid-season to bring in, Jacques Martin. Now, that's a guy uh-huh. that you can bring in mid-season that knows the organization, knows the city, 
uh, and would not be in the slightest upset about an interim uh, position with Ottawa Sanders as the head coach. Uh, not only does he, of course, know defensive hockey, he would he's, in my opinion, one of the best defensive coaches there. So he could definitely help Ottawa's issue there. Uh, now, I don't know if that's a permanent solution, but if you're looking at stopgap options for half a year, Jacques Martin is as best as you can get. I remember, yep. I think he was... Uh, an assistant coach for Pittsburgh when they were winning those uh, back-to-back cups. Where where yeah. is he now? Is he still there? Uh, let me look that up. Actually, it's a good question. It's a good question. Jacques Martin. I don't think he is. I'm not sure. But like in the meantime, I just want to go back on Troy Mann, and he's senior advisor for Kingston. Sorry to cut you off. Okay, just... no, no, it's fine. No HL. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I I think he'd be done for uh, half a season as an NHL coach. That'd be fun, right? If not, we'll hire one of us. Huh? Have to hire <laughs> yeah, one of us. yeah we, we'll all send in our applications. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to Troy Mann. We were talking about not, him not having that much experience, but the the way he's been, the lineups he's, he's been given in Belleville, like that is hard to 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 actually to, to, to coach, to play with. You have so many guys getting called up, I think. In the last game against Minnesota, the, the Belleville were actually playing, and then and in the middle of the third, Scott Sabrin got got called up. So just just like that, he leaves the game. You play for, oh my God. yeah, exactly. You play with eleven forwards for the rest of the game. That's tough. That that's a tough guy to lose. And mm-hmm. he, there's so many injuries in Ottawa. There's so many of these of his key guys like like uh, Lucini and um, and and Chartier, his two top scorers going up in the NHL. And next game. You don't even know who's going to be in your lineup. And he, I think he's been still doing a very good job. So shout out to him. But I don't know if, like, once again, if that experience is going to be good for him uh, to actually help the Sens be a successful team. Worst case, we get Spartak at the, the fill-in. That doesn't, that, <laughs> it seems like a good solution, in my opinion. Yeah, he needs to talk a bit more, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> They'll need to, like, update his mask so that his mouth can move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and a bit of a topic change here, but I definitely wanted to bring this up tonight. Uh, before the game, this was kind of the only good news that Sens fans got today. Uh, there was a tweet from Graham Creech. Uh, he said on the Sens pregame show, he asked Darren Dreger about Zub's contract negotiations, and Dreger said that talks have intensified, and that it sounds like they're getting real close to hammering out an extension. Now, uh, then later on the broadcast of, of the of the game tonight. Uh, Bruce Garriott seemed to be a little bit more skeptical as to how close uh, negotiations really are, but I think it's good that we're definitely uh, actually hearing something about the negotiations for a while now, because I'm sure that's kind of the number one thing on everyone, every Sens fan's mind in terms of contracts is we need to keep Zub. And uh, the way I want to phrase this question to you guys is what kind of a contract do you want to see for him? Basically, uh, I'll put it two ways. Uh, if you can answer both is what would you like to see Zub's contract at ideally and what would be like say the most like the the peak for what you would uh, want to see him get well I'll, I'll get the ball rolling I guess so I would expect somewhere around four to five years something just above a bridge contract I'd love something around six years I don't want to lock him into eight years I'm not really comfortable with that I think six years is a long time a lot can change not with him as a player but within the organization and the depth that you have and the options that you can have to deploy but I think a four or five year option gives you options, at least three years of control uh, of top four hockey with Ottawa Sanders and then four and five year look if he either regresses or another guy emerges or whatever scenario, you have options that you don't have to keep him. You could potentially move him. And I think contracts like contracts like that, sorry, are so 
integral in the cap world that we live in, right? So uh, four or five year contract. I'm not going to get into money. I'm not going to get into terms. Honestly, I I don't want to. I don't know. I mean, it's probably going to be upwards of six plus million dollars. I would guess. I think it's been reported like that before anyway. So definitely is going to command six plus million dollars. But if it's somewhere around four to five years, I'm very happy with that. Six at the most. I mean, I see people talk about seven or eight years. I mean, I say on four or five, six years. It's very unlikely he's going to command more money than he is right now in four or five years anyways. So if you if he's still good and you want to keep him around, you can keep him around and extend him in the future. Yep. I I, I think four or five years sounds perfect because I, I feel like Arden Zub every night is going to, you know what you're going to get from him. He's just going to be a solid defensive defenseman. I don't think he's going to regress in the, in the next four or five years. He's not going to get a whole lot better either. He's just going to sustain that solid defensive play. And I mean, for the money, He's got a lot of leverage. I mean, he can just look at Dorian and say, look at look at your team when I'm not there. Look at the defensive coverage and structure when I'm not on the ice. It is not the same thing and they are struggling. So I think he's going to get paid. He's definitely going to get some more money than his last two-year contract. Yeah. Yeah. And so to wrap up this topic, uh, I'd like you both to give a prediction of what you think the contract will be. And I think I'll go with... Five years, six million. I will go five years because I do agree it's not going to be past five. Six point five. We'll pay a little bit of tribute to King Carl. All right, all right. That is high. Six point five. I mean, look, you're looking. Look at this. All right. I mean, when you look around the National Hockey League, uh, he's a defensive defenseman, right? So that has to be taken into account too. Right. But when you're looking at defensemen like Tyson Berry, who's terrible defensively, making six, I think he's making six plus million dollars. Guys like Cody CC commanding plus four million plus dollars. Artem Zub, if he's asking for four or five years, locking him down for the prime of his career, he's going to ask for okay. a little bit more, just like Tim Stutzla, just like Josh Norris, because in the long run, theoretically, Ottawa should save money. So that's kind of the deal. I'll sign for a bit longer, but you should pay me a bit more, which does make sense. Uh, if you're signing for a two-year deal, probably five, six million gets it done. But if it's more than three, four years, I mean, I, I doubt he would sign for less than six million. But I mean, hey, who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll, I think we'll give him the money he deserves because of how important he is to this team and also the market for right-shot defensemen. I mean, they're tough to get. And when when you get one that is so solid defensively and can, and, and can play consistently on your top pairing – you need to lock him up and give him the money. So yeah, yeah, I do agree. I'll go, I'll go four by six. I like it. All right. Seems like we're all in pretty much the same ballpark there. Hopefully our predictions are close to accurate, or maybe even if, if we could get the salary a little bit lower, that would be nice too. But uh hopefully yeah. we see a Zub extension soon and also hopefully we see him back on the ice soon too, him and him and Timmy. Uh I think we're getting near uh the returns for both of them, right? Yeah, Timmy's supposed to come back potentially even this Thursday against Washington, maybe even Friday the next game, I think against Detroit. Uh, Zub, it's been very quiet on that front. I would expect yeah. him to be back within the next couple of weeks because it was supposed to be like a month-long injury with the the fractured draw, uh, jaw or whatever. But uh, yeah, we'll see about Zub. Zub, I'm a little hesitant about to say if he's going to come back soon or not, but I think Stutzla should be back by the weekend, I'd say. Yep, and, and that would be that would be huge. That would really be huge. He, the way this guy drives the play, he is a major factor in your offense. And also, another good news from uh, Bruce Garriott, um, I think at the second intermission, Josh Norris could be back as early as January, which is which would be huge for this mm-hmm. team. We were talking about out for the season and we kind of forgot about him. Like he's not going to be there. And January seems early 
Like I'm, I'm really surprised. Yeah, me too. yeah, that would be a huge boost. It would be, yeah. I remember when it was first reported about the injury, he got the second opinion, and then it did say that there is a chance that he can, you know, he could come back mid uh, January. But let's be honest; I mean, shoulder injuries—the second major shoulder injury. No one expected that to happen. So, Philip, great point. Great point. Bringing him yeah. back with Tim Stutzla. I mean, regardless of where we're at in the standings, at least the games will be watchable, which is all yeah. we can ask for. for exactly. Sure. We, we we desperately need some help at, at the center position. Mm-hmm. I mean, Castellic and Broussard in your top sit, in your top nine, it's not going to cut it. Yeah, even if we don't make a playoff run, having all those guys back will at least uh, be a big boost for the team in terms of watchability. And uh, yeah. that's where we're going to leave it tonight. But uh, before we go, uh, if you guys have any last words or anything you want to plug, do you want to uh, mention your channel, Brandon? Yeah, sure. So I'm on YouTube here as well. Sense Talk, been doing it since 2013. If you want to see a quicker uh, recap of the game, I analyze the game, go through the game, each goal for both teams. Uh, just check out Sense Talk. We post uh, post-game recaps after every single Senator game. And of course, you know, um, post some different content there as well. And on Twitter at Sensuck underscore, you may unfollow me. I tweet a lot, but uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the tweets if you do follow me. Awesome. Uh, it's Any the opposite. I have, your, you, I have your notifications, actually. So I'm, I got <laughs> hey, a tweet. That's <laughs> you OG, OG follower right here. OG <laughs> nice. follower. Yes. Um, for me, Phil Sends, Phil.Sends on TikTok. Um, I post a bunch of different content. You, it's always different every single day, but I'm going to do a sense recap for pretty much every single game. I, I usually don't miss them. Um, but yeah, just follow me on there. You'll never know what you're going to get from one day to, to the other. So awesome. I recommend it. Follow them. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really uh, seen much of the hockey community on TikTok yet. I'll have to check that out for sure. Yeah, it's a fun one. All right. And yeah, that's all for tonight. Everyone, thank you for watching. Uh, Leave a like on the video, subscribe to SDPN, and thank you once again to Phil and Brandon for joining me. Uh, We will be back on Thursday. It will be uh, Charlie bringing you the game against Washington. So uh, have a good night, everyone. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.